everyone. Welcome to episode 200. Uh, so this is one I've been meaning to do for a while and have not uh, for a lot of different reasons uh, we'll get into in the podcast. Um, but just so uh, it is not uh, missed from the beginning, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for all of your support to get me to 200 and here's to 200 more. Um, okay, so <clears throat> the hardest part of a podcast is pivoting. I think this is probably fairly understood if you listen to enough podcasts, but the idea is uh, probably not vocalized as often as it should be. It's the same way with a lot of television or long-form serialized fiction and art, including video games. You get enough steam under your work, and it's a kind of like a freight train that's hard to put a halt to, right? Um, you can see this, like the obvious example would be something like The Simpsons, uh, which is, you know, remains going on despite the fact that nothing about it exactly uh, speaks to the initial... Um, uh, mission statement, right? Um, we have, you know, however many seasons in and ha most everyone who enjoyed the first sort of core seasons are out. Um, and the people who wrote it as well. Uh, this is like sort of get smart as a version of this, where, uh, the show was written by Mel Brooks and, um, uh, some other comedic geniuses. And then after the fact, every movie and reboot, uh, was kind of a drag cause they weren't on it. Um, hard to stop it. Uh, but, you know, the pivot needs to be there at some point or another. Uh, the enormity of this fact, right, this, this difficulty to pivot, was something I thought about a lot at episode 200's Incipients when I started realizing that it was coming up. The first few episodes of No Cartridge were agile, easy to follow, the popular focus, able to be tweaked as they were needed. Um, that's the joy and the curse of an early project um, in that the energy and vigor behind it can be channeled into, you know, whatever seems to work. Once the project is calcified, as it is now, you know, 200 episodes in, you can still, you know, pivot. You can still do things that are different or agile or whatever, but it's tough to actually make those swerves. And, you know, this isn't me saying I'm sick of no cartridge or amending the podcast and far from it. I uh, hope we can continue to have this conversation and others for years and years. You know, nothing gives me as much professional joy as this podcast. And, you know, I am unhappy with aspects of it. I won't lie. Um... Four Colors Red, the failed sort of crowdfunding effort, uh, still sticks in my craw. That's, you know, ultimately on me for it being a broken project as of now. Um, you know, you can always contact me if you feel like you would like some sort of refund on that. And I'm always happy to talk. Um, you know, we can make that happen. Uh, and, you know, the the I've even lost a few friends in the process of making the podcast. I've spoken unwisely or, you know, even been interpreted as jealous or mean-spirited with, with some comments. I've promise that's never actually been the case. I'm not trying to be mean or cruel to anyone, uh, but it's a weird scene, right? And I'm kind of like a little, I kind of shoot from the hip when I talk online about my own feelings and I've tried to get better at that. Um, and you know, the times when the podcast hasn't been updated, right? Right. Like any sense of progression that I feel like I'm getting on a roll and then it gets, it falls apart. These are all things that I wish, you know, were different about the show. Right. Um, and, you know, I take responsibility. Uh, the project is, if it's not blameless, it's vital, important, and 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 good. Like, I think overall, No Cartridge is a wonderful project that I, you know, want to keep going in spite of these things that I don't like, right? Um, but, like, I'm not bringing up these failures to wallow in them. Um, and, in fact, I just bring them up because I'm kind of wondering about what they might mean, right? One of the things I think is, is common in podcasting particularly is – to focus on the good and talk about the way that things worked out or the way things like um, uh, coalesced and just think about them in terms of um, – think about them in isolation rather. Um, 
you know, we don't have a sense of the way that we can combine the good with the bad, right? The, the way we can kind of hold them in both hands is a way that I often say. Um, <clears throat> again, like the, the failures or the things that I don't like about the project or any project that, you know, people make, it doesn't mean that the project was bad or rather, you know, if they don't mean they're bad, um, they also must mean something else, right? Um, thinking about uh, something like uh, the Talos project, which I got into a bit of an argument with the creator of, because I was saying, you know, this isn't a game. I wrote about it in on length in uh, nonsite.org if you want to go look that up. Um, but I'll keep it brief here. You know, uh, basically the Talos principle is this sort of fun puzzle first-person shooter-y game. Um, and I wrote about it and said, hey, look, this like doesn't really work as emancipatory, right? Like in the end, the the basic vision in this game is one of kind of like a, an individualized, almost libertarian future where you get to remake yourself as a robot and, and you know, remake the world with knowledge. Um, not human, not really, you know, blood and guts in the way that I would like to see in my sort of liberatory work. And the the creator got upset with me, and and I can understand that. I mean, look, like I don't take criticism as well as uh, I should, nor does anyone. Um, but his critique was that, hey, look, we like we actually we use Trotsky in this game. Like, how could we not be considered as a leftist project, right? Um, and it's an interesting point, and to say like, you know, there's good and there's bad, right? Like, there's left and there's right. There's all these things, right? You know, obviously that's how I consider left and right, but like. You understand, right? Like the the simple inclusion of good or bad, right? Or the simple inclusion of good or left or whatever in your project does not negate the fact that there's other stuff in there. Um, and in the case of No Cartridge, the good doesn't negate the bad. Like the bad exists just as much as the good does. And to say like, no, it's a good project because I did good work, that sort of misses the point that both of these things have worked together to constitute what the product is. Um, you can't just point to a, um, a component and say, look, that's there. That is what, um, the ultimate sort of like effect of this podcast or project or, you know, art is it's everything. Um, you can't, you can't pick and choose. So what do the failures mean? Are they a wrong turn? Are they a missed opportunity or just a mistake? I think primarily if I'm using this time in the, in this podcast to look back and thanks this episode, sort of an interview with myself. Um, I made a mistake keeping profit in the main view as a marker of success and as a goalpost for the podcast. You know, early on, that totally made sense. Um, as the project grew, chasing the money still was and is important if we want to keep the lights on um, because the labor I and my co-host and producer put in is serious and doesn't flow without cash to push it along, at least not currently. Um, but the eager approach at the beginning of the project meant – I could go where the listeners were, right? Like I could sort of look at it and say like, oh, if I want this to make money or get listeners or whatever, I can like do what's popular. And so I went with interviews instead of solo reviews. Um, I kind of like focused on people that I thought folks would like to listen to. I reached out to devs. I had like regular folks on. I tried all sorts of things in those early episodes because that's kind of what you can do. Like I, you know, if the podcast died after 30 episodes, what skin is it off my nose? It would just be another project that I did and didn't end up working out. However, <laughs> as the podcast gets more unwieldy, and in fact, as I feel more invested in it, that approach is a little harder to manage, right? Reactions become a little more reactionary as opposed to sort of like reactive, which is to say, I'm making these choices with the podcast in order to keep the 
the income and to keep the listenership. And fear of losing those things means that I am not making sort of adaptive or interesting or, or agile choices as much. And and again, this goes for everything. This is like, on one hand, a look back at, the, at this podcast, but also just the general genre of this and video games as well. The early success and the early sort of like innovation is then stymied by the fact that you feel like you have to keep this investment going and not lose steam. And so making decisions is often about harm reduction as opposed to like innovating or, or, or knowledge or like trying to break through something. Right. Um, that's not, uh, that's not just me, but it's something that I think is, is, you know, worth kind of pointing out. Right. Um, and I've made no secret of it, uh, both here and elsewhere. The Patreon's been a bit slow. I haven't really known what to put there for a while. The podcast can be difficult to keep up, hard to find people to interview all the time, and and you know things things add up. A grading last week uh, kept me from really doing anything at all, especially this, right? Um, and sometimes the flow of the project is is a bit hard to keep up. And in this way, no cartridge has sort of taken on the cast of a AAA game. And I I malign these often enough on my show, but. It, I got to, you know, it has to be said it's funded enough to be produced, but without any like that production or I'm sorry, that funding means that I'm not taking as much of the risks as, um, so, as I did in that initial popularity, right? The initial risks, the sort of like, uh, wins of getting Scott on the show. And I just kind of like reached out randomly or whatever, like that's not something I do as much anymore. And it's because I kind of have a, the rut that, makes sense and keeps things, keeps the lights on. Right. And look, I'm not, I'm saying all this just to gain contests, 200 episodes, as I said at the beginning is a celebration and not a funeral, but you have to sort of get a little negative in order to actually see how these massive projects simply move forward under their own steam and become zombified and ossified. And the reason I'm wanting to get negative early on is because that's not what I want for this podcast. I don't want no cartridge to just be going through the motions forever. What I want for No Cartridge is to continue the actually important conversations. I never really started the podcast with our game's art in mind because that had already sort of driven itself into a ditch. Uh, but I did start with let's see how we can discuss video games seriously in mind. And in many ways, I think we answered that, and along with many others now. You know, if I want to uh, pat myself on the back or, or give myself some sort of um, <laughs> unfair... Uh, adulation, I would say that I was one of the first people to really do that well. Um, and maybe people followed my footsteps, but more accurately, a lot of people had the same idea at the same time. And I think no cartridge added to that conversation, uh, quite a bit. Um, but there's all sorts of people who are doing really interesting stuff like the range touch people, uh, obviously, uh, waypoint and, and, and the stuff that has followed after waypoint, um, yeah, a friend of the show, Dia Lucina. Uh, I mean, even stuff over at Defector. Mark Normandon's writing over there. Some really interesting stuff. There's all sorts of good stuff. And this question of how do we discuss video games seriously just as like a cultural object, right? Not even as an art object, as a cultural object. They always sort of like put aesthetics in as a, as a secondary thing because, well, you got to get the cultural stuff first. You got to figure out how to talk about it as an object first. That was where we started but I think that's not necessary anymore, right? We're not a voice in the wilderness saying like, hey, like, what, how, do we, how do we talk about video games? Um, and in fact, like, I think something that the book, uh, Story Mode, 
unconsciously dealt with uh, by on my part anyway, maybe consciously when you're reading it, it's right there, but unconsciously when I was writing about it, it, the fact is that book dealt with the fact that I need to find that next voice in the wilderness, right? Like we need to find something to talk about that isn't being talked about everywhere else. Um, Part of why I'm thinking about this is because I'm obsessed with endings. It's just a general, like I love thinking about endings. I'm sure you, you know, if you're a longtime listener, you've seen this come up before. Uh, But I am obsessed with endings in podcasts too. This podcast is an ending for better or worse. Uh, But when podcasts end, they classically do this thing where they proclaim that in the process of finishing the quest they started off on, they realize that, Wow, the crest really was in the telling, wasn't it? You know, the friends, uh, you know, the, the, real, the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. Uh, this is classic in true crime podcasts. Uh, and, and actually the, the show uh, Only Murders in the Building sort of uh, riffs on this a little bit in, in, a, in a fun way. I think with the, the Tina Fey uh, character uh, who's like a, you know, podcast dame, uh, celeb or whatever. Um, but it's classic and true crime podcasts where absent a killer or missing person at the end, you know, like very few of them actually end with the solution. We get some sort of pay-in or uh, a long consideration on the nature of truth and an assertion that maybe nothing ever was missing or dead or, or, or you know, caught or, you know, what is justice? Um, you know, the, the type of this thing. It's, it's basically all uh, fallout from Serial, where at the end uh, we, we don't find out who uh, – who killed uh, our, our, our heroine, and we don't get to find out if our hero is actually a killer or innocent. We just basically get to see, like, you know, the, there's a lot of people who think a lot of things. Um, and, you know, that's something that bothers me. Not because they don't come up with an, an, an answer. You know, that's fine. That's, like, that's mysteries. Like, the, the, the mysteries we, call that, uh, we get answers to are fictional because that's the that's the beauty of them but true crime you know like I, I get it the genre does not need endings and in fact coming up with endings is what gets us sort of the valorized weird like police state kind of thinking that these uh these types of podcasts encourage a lot of times uh, what bothers me about it is it puts a weird defensive position on the podcast form that i think kind of spreads over a lot of nascent forms No one's willing to admit the journey led them uh, not back to some sort of essential question that they now need to answer, but to somewhere new, because that might suggest that the initial premise was flawed, right? Uh, Again, this goes back to the agility of early days. If you spent 200 episodes, if I spent 200 episodes arguing one thing, it's hard to sort of look at that and say like, okay, like what, what's the next thing I can argue? Because it suggests, hey, maybe, maybe that thing I was arguing was not as important as I thought it was, right? Uh, you know, maybe this whole quest about finding a missing person uh, ended up being kind of not super helpful. These are all answers that I think are perfectly valid and reasonable to say, but we get so defensive as creators um, and, and, and you know, as listeners, too, that we have to say, like, hey, wait, like, it all was worth it. It all was important. It all, it all had, like, a, a, a really, like, straightforward and, and crucial and critical answer. And it still can be like super important and super good, even if the initial thoughts did not end up being as relevant as we thought they would be. And so when we see a podcast or video game, and, and video games are absolutely relevant here, because if you look at something like, say, The Last of Us 2, the the, the holding on to the essential claims of the first game, right? Like, gamers did that, and that's why they hated uh, the, the protagonist in The Last of Us 2, but The Last of Us 2 did it too, right? Like, the sense of, like, holding on and hanging on to these, like, these essential ideas that show up in the first game, whereas really just 
tossing them off and kind of like moving on with something else and, and thinking about what is interesting now would have made a much more valuable and interesting sort of uh, approach to the genre. Um, video games are, do this all the time. Um, well, when we see the uh, this half-hearted gesture to the start, I think we should see this as a failure of courage, an inability to question the basic premise we're all supposed to be working under as creators. And do I lack the courage to ask this question? Yeah, often, truly, I, I do. I'm like a totally cowardly person, never really all that courageous. This time, though, I think it's probably worth asking because at the risk of sounding like a cringy teen or something, I actually care about this project. I care in no small part because the times I'm doing it with my wonderful co-creators are some of the most fun I've had in ages. So skip ahead about a minute if you don't want to hear me be like uh, sappy. Uh, but, you know, Andrew or Piss, uh, they're incredible, incisive wit, their deep knowledge um, and, and just like the, the energy and, you know, uh, time they put into curation and consideration and also, you know, their unfailing friendship. You know, like I'm not always an easy person to be friends with. I, I like to think I am, but I have my, you know, I I am inconsistent and often late to stuff and weird. And I have my own problems. And, and uh, you know, Andrew's been a friend for, geez, almost a decade at this point. It's, it's you know, that means a lot. Um, and all of that is what makes No Wall Scroll good and vital and interesting. Um live i mean what 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 can be said like again a, a friend for a long time despite all my failings and and difficulties uh but her emotional honesty her brilliant insights and her sense of when to say like i'm just kind of wrong about something in, in in uh cultural terms like that's what makes all of the stuff we've done so so important to me you know the after dark stuff the 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 um, Gigi No Reread and the film work, right? Like the, the which I'm hoping to restart uh, soon, actually, in, in this new year. Um, you know, it's, it's like it's all really, really crucially important because she brings those things to the table. And John's obsessive joie de vivre for the news and for getting incredibly mad about stuff. And also, again, the friendship element. I mean, I can't it, – it's, it's sappy to say, but it's important to say. Um, it's something I'm hoping we see soon returning to your feeds. Not to mention Julian, just the beating heart of the show, um, and all of the guests who have been recurring family members, Dee, Scott, Josh, Mark, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The community and the group of creators I'm blessed to know, right? So it's worth it for them, if nothing else, to actually think about what comes next for No Cartridge. Because no one likes to feel the kind of crush of ennui that happens when we, or rather I, hit a lull. During the George Floyd protest, I stopped for a good month because I didn't see my work as relevant to the moment. I stopped for about a month and a, a month, a half tick ago because I was too busy grading a Sisyphean course and getting in my cups about the Patreon dropping over the past few months. If the listenership dies, then what's the point, I'd ask? Well, the listenership wasn't the point when we started, nor was the money, for however vulgar a necessity it might be. And in fact, it's not the point for the people who help me with the show and the people whose work I so value, right? I love the stuff I do with co-hosts and, and I, you know, I'm incessantly self-critical, uh, which does mean that I'm not always happy about the stuff I do personally. But if I'm so invested in what they're bringing to the table, then I should probably try and bring my A-game as well, right? And really think about how I'm continuing this project forward and the best way to do it in the most interesting and vital way. The leftist analysis, I have to say, feels a bit beside the point in 2022 as well. Not that we won't do it or any sort of like leftist approach. Obviously, that's baked in. 
but a handhold in class analysis of video games is, and, and probably has been for a while, something presumed. Most outlets start with a declaration of intent against the marketplace, and that's great. But it's also maybe not getting at the core or rather, like, more importantly, the issues no one else is talking about, right? The things that no one really wants to or uh, no one knows to talk about. Uh, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. and I'm not because I think uh, I, I think Trier's work is, is kind of interesting and, and important and, you know, has brought to the fore these questions about crunch. And, and you know, I, I do not mean to cast dispersions here at all, but I will say when Bloomberg is publishing the guy most clearly putting out record, uh, you know, most clearly and famously putting out reporting against labor abuse in the games marketplace, I think we can kind of imagine that the reporting is not super dangerous or avant-garde or at the bleeding edge, right? The question of crunch is something that is presumed and understood as a problem in the same way that, say, like sweatshops are in the global supply chain. We know it's bad and we are, you know, hard pressed to fix it. And that is where it's at. And of course, you know, again, not a critique of Schreier, who I think does important work, but if Bloomberg is willing to publish it, it's not dangerous, right? And and not that no cartridge is dangerous, but you want to think about like where the sort of like conversation isn't happening, right? So it strikes me that the celebration at the heart of episode 200 is that we at no cartridge get to do what we do best moving forward, Right. The actual thing that's not being talked about, the conversation that's not being had is cultural and aesthetic critique. I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've often regretted that the show wasn't more actively political. Uh, but we're also the only video game podcast I know that's considered games as objects worth attention, not just because they occupy some nascent spot of post neoliberal ascension in America, but because they're cultural objects that are trying to do something in a particular moment of history. I was reminded of my episode uh, with Pedro Paiva for this reason. Um, you know, Pedro's games have this sense of um, this sort of sense of like um, bootlegged, uh, uh, strange, like uh, appropriated culture. And, you know, the reason they do is because of his, you know, upbringing in Brazil where bootlegged games were like. A big deal, right? And so, like this historicization, this 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 grounding of the actual work is super important. And I think you know, leaning into it and saying like, "Hey, look, like we're just gonna do the cultural critique." Like that's the point. Isn't avoiding the politics? It's actually giving a sort of human, emotive, again, blood and guts to sort of like use Kathy Acker, my my one of my favorites. Um, as a, as an inspiration, it is giving a life to the critique, right? Yes. Crunch happens, but crunch happens while creating a cultural product that means something to people and still produces a kind of emotional effect, good or bad. And that contradiction is hugely important. And something that if you don't look at is what maintains crunch forever, right? Because, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it happens. And then, the second question, what is the game good, is a whole other question, right? Labor on one side, quality and culture on the other. And bringing those two together is actually what makes the conversation happen. And so, like, I think 
the way we look at film and anime and comics and 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 TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, news, right? Like this is the way we have to do it. And this is the way that I'm going to be bringing uh, No Cartridge to the next 200 episodes and more and more and more, you know? Like I'm hoping we celebrate 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 episodes, you know? The podcast is going to evolve. We're going to try and get weekly Patreon episodes so I can explore some of the gnarlier ends of this mission. We'll t- use the Patreon as a way to sort of really uh, – you know, press, obviously homicide and, and TV, but then also like maybe indie games or maybe like other ways of thinking about this. Maybe I'll try new stuff. Maybe I'll I'll talk to sort of like creators that maybe only want to talk for 10 minutes or something. Maybe I'll post a few a week. Maybe I'll skip a couple weeks, but I'll be putting more work on the Patreon because I want a space to think through these issues. That's what the Patreon will be. Um. The quest, but the question of why games that I asked a bunch of people earlier this year has led me to the same question asked of myself, right? Not just my guests. Uh, I have to ask it of myself as well. And the answer is because they're there to be considered. They're cultural objects that no one else seems to care about. There's nothing more left-wing or liberatory or human to me than considering the work of people as vital and important, especially when everything around us, pandemic, climate change, uh, you know, horrible uh, abuses of state demands that we do not demands that oh there's more important things to do right and and yeah there are like i hope that you know there are people out there that are doing that but for our work here considering the work of humans to be vital and living and real is maybe the most important thing we can do right So as the world burns and class critique becomes another meme, we'll do our part here by keeping the pressure up and remaining focused on people, their work, and the way it expresses the humanity its creators saw in the moment of its creation. Simple goal, complex outcome. That's no cartridge for me. And I hope you'll stay with us for the next 200 episodes. Wait, let me try that again. And I hope you'll stay with us for the next 200 episodes. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.